Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We are ex-Mormon Christians United for Jesus, unveilingmormonism.com. My name is Lynn Wilder. And I'm Michael Wilder, and we've got another great story. This story continues with Brad as he's getting ready to meet with the missionaries on a Friday night. And so we're going to find out what's going to happen from this point on and what God has in store for him because it's all God's story. So so let's uh, keep going, Lynn, if you want to add anything else here. Well, this is Brad Steckelberg, part three. If you haven't listened to one and two, please go back and do so. Um, it'll all make more sense. Brad actually gave his life to Jesus in elementary school and then uh, as a teenager was actually sexually abused at like a Christian camp thing um, and struggled for many years. um, And those struggles led to an alcohol addiction. Um, But Brad didn't give up his faith in Christ. Ten years or so after college, Brad met the Mormon missionaries. Um, He had encountered them once or twice before, but they knocked on his door this time. Um, Brad, welcome back. Let's start there. Tell us about these LDS missionaries. They're sweet guys. Yeah, they are. And thank you again for having me here. It's been really uh, great to share my testimony in this way. yeah, I had by that time I had been um sober for a while. I had found some recovery and was looking for a way to grow in my spirituality. And um but I wasn't sure which, you know, which church to go to and so I get this knock on the door and I wasn't ready to accept them into my apartment the first day that they knocked on my door because I was still moving in and didn't have anywhere for them to sit. So I said, come back on Friday. And they did come back on Friday. And I think they were surprised that I was there on Friday. (laughs) So um, I gave them water. I had, uh, someone had told me not to offer coffee to the missionaries. So I uh, gave them water and they sat down and that was our first, uh, our first visit together. And it was, um, you know, they had a countenance that I picked up on and they had the, um, you know, the, the Christian story was there, but it was a little different. It was the first lesson of the LDS story. And I, I'm quite sure that the first lesson didn't focus too heavily on Joseph Smith. Um, but uh, I do remember them asking me about my family. And, um, and then I, I gave them like a, a shorter answer, I think. And then they circled back to family like three or four more times. And I kept wondering, why are they so interested in my family? <laughs> Um, so I, you know, I did my best to answer those kinds of questions, but, um, I think they wanted to, 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 um, the, the types of questions they were asking were, um, you know, how, how I feel about my family. And I think they were getting to the point of like, wouldn't it be great to see your family forever? And, and, but they weren't quite there yet. And so, but we did, um, at the end of that first lesson, 
they uh, gave me a uh, challenge question and um, I prayed in between that and the next lesson and um, I listened intently to their messages and did my best to um, do the challenges that they presented along the way. And um, by the time we had gone through six sessions or six lessons, um, the only thing that was left for me was to have an interview for baptism. And at that point, I had this, um, this thought that I could trust the message that they had for me. And um, so I just kept going and I never did get anything that, that made me feel otherwise. Um, there were some parts of the message that I, uh, I didn't understand, but I, I was, I was, um, when, when they were talking about things that were related to Joseph Smith, um, I said, so you think that he was a prophet and you think that we have prophets now? And, you know, these are the kinds of questions that I had and I, it was just so foreign to me. And, um, and they had said something or I had picked up something along the way that there might be some things that you don't understand at this point, but um, I would just pray for understanding. And so that's like when they would ask the pointed questions of like, do you believe this, this, or this? I could say yes to some of those, those kinds of questions and other things. I was just like, well, I don't know how much I believe that, but I'm, I'm uh, praying about it and I'm open to, um, you know, finding out for myself what's true. And then when we watched a, a video about Joseph Smith, I thought, you know, people get visited by God in lots of different ways. I knew someone growing up who, who um, really had some vivid dreams that kind of ended up coming true. And she, uh, you know, I, I feel like those were the ways, some of the ways that God spoke to her and I thought, well, why not? You know, um, God may have spoke to him in this way. And um, so I wanted to stop you just for a sec. You said from the beginning that these missionaries had a, a certain countenance. So was this a positive thing to you? And can you yeah, be more specific what, about that? Yeah, I, I think what I was picking up on was um, they understood what they believed. And they were very excited about the message that they had. And they were very, um, yeah, they were just really passionate about about um, spreading the message of Jesus, right? Um, and that's, I think, really, I was picking up on on a lot of that, um, and that, and and also the fact that, oh, it's not like these guys are making a lot of money. This is just them. It reminded me a lot of my my time with that other organization, where you know people just kind of go out and be missionaries and. Um, yeah, so I, I really picked up on, on a lot of, of that, um, passion for the message that mm -hmm. they had and everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting because when, when I was in the LDS church, I, you know, I worked a lot with missionaries, you know, I, I was a, uh, warden mission leader, uh, like three times over a period of years. I also was a stake missionary. And I love the missionaries. I mean, they, they were just, 
these young men, they were sincere. They they wanted to do the right thing. And you you just feel good being around them. And they were trying to do the right thing. And it was interesting when you were talking about how they they will kind of ask you questions that kind of lead you into different things. And I, I was just thinking, maybe I shouldn't say this, but when when they were probably having you read things from the Book of Mormon and you would read it and you would they would ask you, well, after you read that, how did that make you feel? And it's it's a story would be like, uh, and Nephite came around the corner and he saw some puppies very hungry and he picked up the puppies and he petted them and he was very kind to the puppies and he fed the mother and they would ask you, well, how did that make you feel? Well, that's a very kind thing to do to take care of puppies. It's that concept that if it's a, it's a wonderful story and it could be, you know, totally false, but it's a wonderful story. How does that make you feel? Well, yeah, it, it's, it's a great, great story. And so I just, uh, I just remember myself being with the missionaries when they would have us read, especially from the Book of Mormon. Wow, that was a nice story. Yeah, that made me feel really good. But does that mean it's true? No, but it makes me feel good. So mm-hmm. it, it really was ringing a bell to me at that point. So. Yeah. And, you know, there were things in there that, like I say, that I was like, oh, I don't know about this, you know, especially the, when they were fought focusing on the families can be f- together forever a bit. And um, I didn't realize till much, much later just how important that is to the LDS um, belief structure. But I'm like, well, yeah, but I kind of feel like I'm already going to be with my family f- forever because my mom is saved and I'm saved and, you know, like we'll be in heaven. And so to me, there wasn't as strong of a disconnect there. It wasn't like, oh, it wasn't true that we would see each other in heaven and now it will be true if I'm baptized kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I found, I guess, ways around some of those things that were like, yeah, okay, they're different. But, you know, there's so many things in denominations that are different than each other too. And so, you know, it was easy to just sort of put some things to the side. Um that seemed a little off to me. Um, Some of the things I liked about the church early on was I did like the fruit that I was seeing um, of the people in the, in the, uh, we didn't have a ward, we had a branch um, and the local branch, they were very serious about helping members out and non-members with needs such as moving and um there were some other other families that came to the church with some other kinds of needs and i mean i saw i saw some serious um like service that was given out and um i got to observe a family home evening with a family and i really loved the idea that oh these families they teach each other lessons in the home and that it's a lay-led ministry. And so I, I really, there was something that I connected with there. And then um, I've always been kind of missions-minded, and that uh, focus appealed to me as well. So um, I ended up, after I joined the church, I ended up joining the elders on a lot of their lessons. And then they ended up uh, giving me, or my uh, branch president uh gave me the um the job of uh, branch mission leader um 
fairly shortly after I was um, baptized. And I think I had to be an ironic priesthood holder by that time, you know, to get that one. But um, it all happened very quickly in succession. Um, they called me a golden investigator. Um, the only thing that really kind of stood in the way was because of my past, I had to interview with the mission president. Um, and so <clears throat> I wasn't sure how that was going to go. I had no idea, but uh, he uh, he just asked me, you know, where I was with my past of um, of uh, sexual impurity and that sort of thing. And I, I was honest with him and he says, you know, I, I've been celibate for this many years and I'm I'm not looking to be in any kind of relationship with with someone from the same gender and I'm I'm you know I've been in a journey of of healing from that for years and um so with that everything else all the other questions were easy for me to answer and um my I was able to get through that baptism process and that early uh um church membership was was fairly easy for me um until it became not easy to keep up with my tithing. And uh, that's kind of where the first chink came in that I was like the performing versus the accepting God's grace. Like, is it performance-based or is it not? And it mm -hmm. kind of echoed of some of my past issues with the grace versus works stuff. So, um See if there's anything else that I. So what happened when you fell behind in tithing? Well, honestly, the the leadership never made a big deal out of it, but I knew that if I didn't keep up with my tithing, that I wouldn't be able to continue on with the process of going to the temple, even though I really still didn't grasp how serious that was or like what even that meant. <laughs> I yeah. just knew that that was sort of the next thing. Um, and so I was really, yeah, I, I just knew that I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't do this. And this tithing was a really difficult thing for me to get over. Um, it's not something I was really used to doing on a regular basis. And and then during that time, I there were some other things about the church that started really bothering me. Um, and one that, you know, I had mentioned to many, many people, and I never really did get a very um, satisfying answer, was how come every year it seems like you go, you pull out all the stops for Halloween parties? Um, and then when Christmas comes around, nothing. <laughs> or Easter. Easter. What about or Easter? Easter? Mean, yeah, or, yeah. Like nothing on Easter either. And Easter Sunday, <laughs> I, I always remember Easter Sunday, it would be, and today we're going to have a talk about food storage. Uh, Sister <laughs> Smith is going to talk to us about how we can store one year's food supply. <laughs> and it's Easter Sunday. And I thought, you know, haven't been raised you know, outside the elders, I mean, that was supposed to be a big deal. Also Christmas, but the, it was, uh, yeah. it was uh, you know, I, I really feel hurt here. You know, you said 
you were a golden missionary, convert. Gold, golden investigator. Yes, yes, yeah. a golden investigator. I was told I was a golden investigator. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, can there be two? I, I guess, I guess it's okay. And I think they said Lim was one also. But, you know, let's don't, it's the, you know, I, I'm just, I, I'm, just give me a few minutes to get over it, you know, and to realize, yeah, there's, there, there were other ones. So I guess if there were two or three or four, maybe 15 in the United States yeah. in the last like, 20 yeah, years, one okay. per state, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, Brad, how long were you in the LDS church and were you active always? I was in the church for a total of, I believe it ended up being nine years um, and went um where I would be active for a couple years and then not active for maybe a year or maybe two and then active again. And so like when I became active, um, the, the last time that I was active, I was active for probably three years. Um, and one of the things that brought me back was the they were having a class on personal finance and um it's something that i had struggled with in the past um of uh, of uh having too much debt and i was um looking for different ways i i'd already found some some things that were working for me to um to help track my debt and and whatnot but i was uh you know they had something there at the church, I thought, oh, this is a spiritual approach. I, I think I'll I'll go for it. And it was during that time that, um, you know, much to the the credit of that class, um, I really got over the idea of um giving to God, you know, whatever. And I don't know that I have the same feeling about the importance of tithing that I did then, but when I choose, you know, when, when there's something that I feel like I need to give to God, um, it's a lot easier for me to do so now, you know, and, uh, then they, you know, they showed some practical things in that class too. And, and at the end, I'm like, you know, this, um, this is really good. And then shortly after that pandemic happened and, um, and I saw the whole, um, having church at home supported by the church so ch home centered church supported services um was like oh well maybe the prophet really is the prophet because he saw these things um coming but um yeah so those are the the kinds of things that i was watching as far as like the things that i liked about the church but then um there was always the pre-existence that kept um, bugging me, the, the idea of a pre-existence and the idea of where we go after this existence um, and the idea that heaven isn't just heaven. It's like these this whole, to me, it seemed very complicated, this whole layer of, of things, even more complicated than what I thought was a complicated view that the Catholics had, you know, but... Um, 
it just seemed like all these levels and where am I going to end up? And what if I'm here and the rest of my family's in another level? Will I ever see them? And where is God in all of this? And I mean, these are kind of the things that were a much bigger um, thing that would enter my thought process along the line. But then I'd see people in the church um, acting like Christians should act, you know, loving each other and, and helping each other and stuff. And, um, you know, now I know that some of that is because there's so many people that believe in this grace plus works where if I don't help others, you know, I'm, I'm, I might not be able to be in God's presence. And so, you know, how much is, is pulled by fear and how much is pulled by the love that's in my heart and, you know, and, and the fact that God we love, you know, the, the Bible says we love God because he first loved us. And um, there's nothing in there about we loved God because he first loved us after we did certain works. <laughs> you know? so. well, actually, in Mormonism, I kind of see it as works and then grace, if the works have been enough, right? Not even grace and then works added on, but... If you have done all the right works and you get to a certain place, then grace might kick in. So I have two questions about where you are at this point. Were you in the word much? And did you feel like you had a relationship with Jesus? And how how was that through these years? Um, I felt like um, my actually scripture reading of any kind was um it has up to that point had always been difficult for me to keep up with and and stuff but i did um during the pandemic when they did the um started doing the come follow me curriculum i um i really enjoyed that because it helped me to sort of methodically go in and know that, oh, if we're going to have a Sunday school class, we're going to be on this. And here's like a whole chapter on on things. But what I found um, kind of to my detriment was I got focused on what the manual had to say. And I kept saying like, oh, yeah, I'll read this part of the manual and then I'll read the scripture and then I'll mm-hmm. read the next part of the manual and then I'll read the scripture. But what I found myself doing was just reading the manual and the manual itself you know, quote much more, they would put in like a reference to a scripture, but they would then quote fully um, something that the president of the church said, or that there was some other church leader that said this or whatever. So you weren't necessarily in the Bible without all the other stuff. Yeah. No, no. And uh, it wasn't until I I, uh, took that step away from the LDS church that I really, um, started relearning how to read the Bible for myself, and uh, which is uh, has been a really wonderful um, journey. But um, yeah, at that time, uh, I, I was trying really hard to understand. And also, because I didn't know very much about the Book of Mormon, I hadn't really read the entire Book of Mormon and, and the Doctrine and Covenants and stuff. So I was getting some of these stories piecemeal at a time and and kind of trying to focus on those too so that I would just know what the stories were and know, you know, what the lessons were behind the stories and stuff. And um, Okay, to yeah. set up our last part, 
which is coming. Um, what kind of things started you seriously questioning where you were? Yeah, so I was um, I was given um, a calling to be the uh, minister, the person who does the prison ministry in this area, and and I was the only person. There was it wasn't like we had others doing it um, just at the men's prison. And, um, you know, I, uh, I told them, I says, look, I don't really know that much about the church, <laughs> about the, you know, and about what we teach and stuff. I mean, and, um, and I had some very kind people that, that guided me and said, you know, the most important thing was to love the men there. And I, and I, I do appreciate that uh, sentiment and that's what I tried to do. But then when I would try to teach the lessons, there was just so much in there that was extra biblical because we were in the old Testament and it was like extra biblical stuff being thrown in. And I didn't know what to say about any of that stuff. And I, and so I would try to stick to the Bible and, um, but then there'd be questions about the extra biblical stuff. It's right there in the manual. And, you know, these guys have been reading the manual all week long. And then now they have their questions and they bring it to me. <laughs> so I found I wasn't agreeing with some of it. And then I was also going to a family home evening group for single adults. Uh -huh. And um, kind of the leader of that group brought up this whole idea of what um, – what actually happened in the Garden of Eden and how it was so completely different than what I know the Bible says about mm. the fall of man. And I couldn't really reconcile. In fact, I remember I gave, I was carpooling with someone to that meeting when we were on that lesson about the Garden of Eden. And on the way home, I says, I just don't know what to do with any of that that we just talked about. I said, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that, you know, Eve um, did this so that we could have salvation that that was the purpose of her having. I just, I says, I, I feel like that's, that's just not right because it's the fall. This, you know, this was when the um, relationship between man and God was broken. Yeah. And I don't see this, how. This, this is perfect. so interesting because this gets us into, you know, the temple work, which you hadn't been to the temple at this point, but this is all about this. So I think this is a great point to start in about the next one about, what did Eve do <laughs> in, in the garden? You know, you're, you're questioning this thing about. So, so I think this is a good pickup point here. So grace and peace to you, friends. Until next time, look for part four with Brad. And may God bless. <laughs>